Please turn with me, if you would, in your Bibles to the Gospel of John. Gospel of John, chapter 1. We began the Gospel of John uh, just a few Sundays ago. This morning we will be looking at John 1, verses 4 through 13, though I'll start reading in verse 1. But before we read that together, let's pray together. Our Father, we pray that you would direct our eyes to you this morning, that you would direct our hearts to you, that you would that you would open our eyes and open our hearts and open our ears and open our minds to see Jesus and understand more about him, to love him more deeply, to receive him more fully. We pray that Jesus would be glorified as we, as we see him in the scriptures. We pray that you would do this work in us by your Holy Spirit. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. John chapter 1, beginning in verse 1 uh, through verse 13. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Have you ever been someplace that was so dark, you literally could not see the hand in front of your face? When I was in Turkey a number of years ago, we were in central Turkey, in Cappadocia, and we visited an underground city. And after going a few stories down, the guide had us go off the path into a room and turn off our flashlights. I experienced then a suffocating darkness, three stories underground, no light, no light at all. I could have poked myself in my own eye and never seen it coming. If our guide had left us there in the dark, we would likely still be trying to, uh, still be trying to find our way out today. The thing about being in the dark is when you are in the dark, you are functionally blind. You have no idea where you are going. Some of us run into furniture in our own house in the middle of the night. A place that we are familiar with becomes foreign when we turn off the lights. If someplace familiar can become foreign, how much more uncharted territory when there is no light? 
Many of us live day by day in functional darkness when it comes to relating to God. And think about it. How do we relate to a being whom we cannot see, cannot touch, cannot hear? How do we relate to him? How do we draw near to this God? Last week, one of the places we landed is that Jesus reveals to us the Father. This week, we will take this a step further and see that Jesus relates us to the Father. We're continuing to look at the, the prologue to John's gospel this morning, that the backstory to the gospel, uh, to the story that he is going to tell us about Jesus. And in our text this morning, John introduces a new image for Jesus, a new metaphor. Last week, we began John 1 talking about the, the Word. Uh, John 1, 1 through 2 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And, and one of the things uh, that we said is that this image is appropriate because words are, are powerful tools for communication and action. We communicate ourselves, we accomplish our purposes through our words. God creates the world, God sustains the world and reveals himself through his word. By his word, he accomplishes his purposes. And, and Jesus then is the word of God the one through whom God accomplishes his purposes, revealing himself and ultimately saving the world. And in those first few, few verses of John, we heard uh, the, the echo of the creation story. Genesis 1.1 says, in the beginning, God created. And John 1.1 says, in the beginning was the word. And through this word, verse 3, all things were made. Verse 4 then continues with this creation image to speak of Jesus as life and light. So we're, we're going to look at Jesus, the true light, this morning. We're going to be answering the question or looking at uh, John's, one of John's answers to the question is, how do, I, how do I get to God? How do I approach him? How do I draw near? And we'll look at the power of light, the true light, being blind to the light, and becoming children of light. First, the power of light. Darkness has no ability to resist light. Uh, think with me for a moment, right? If, if you flip a light switch in your home and the electricity is working and the bulb is not broken the light come, and the light comes on, what power does darkness have against light? The answer, of course, is none. Uh, when, when you are in the woods uh, on an overcast night and it's pitch black outside and you turn on a flashlight, what resources does the dark have to push back against the light? The answer is none. The flashlight sends out a, a beam of light that penetrates into the dark night. And the dark night can do nothing about it. And how, how far the light travels doesn't depend on how strong the darkness is, but on how strong the light is. And as far as I know, now I'm no scientist, but as far as I know, there are, there are no machines that can nullify the light. Uh, there are flash lights, but no flash darks. Now I know there are black holes, uh, but if you wanna go there, I think technically that in a black hole, it's not the darkness fighting against the light, but gravity, right? Some, somebody afterwards can tell me I'm wrong or right about that. But, um, 
Besides that, black holes were definitely not in the popular imagination of John's contemporaries when he wrote. Light penetrates into darkness. Let's look at verses 4 and 5. Verse 4 says, of the Word who was with God and was God, that through, and through whom all things were created, in him was life. The idea here is that, that life is intrinsic to this Word. Uh, life is not intrinsic to you or me. Uh, there was a time before we were. Uh, there will be a time when we are not, at least possibly as far as our physical bodies are concerned, unless Jesus returns first. We have no ability to generate life. We, we don't have life in ourselves. It was a gift. We can't simply produce it out of thin air. While here, John states that th this as an absolute, uh, it's an abstraction. This is not an, uh, an abstract concept for John. Uh, John saw and will relate to us how the one who was life will give life to Lazarus' dead body, raising him from the dead, and then rise from the dead himself on the third day. And so there's this, there's this abstraction, in him was life, but that will work itself out as we read through the gospel. In the word was life, and the life was the light of men. This image of light uh, as an image involves a, a lot of different ideas, right? Light enables us to see. Light reveals the truth. Light guides the way. Because in the darkness, people often do evil things where no one can see. Walking in the light is walking in honesty and uprightness. We can't hide in the light. And at the heart of these ideas is really two things. Uh, on, the, on the one side, darkness brings ignorance because we can't see, whether that's seeing the truth or seeing the path laid out before us. And darkness brings immorality, whether because we are ignorant of what is right or because we are hiding our immorality in the dark. And so darkness is a symbol for ignorance and immorality, but light then by contrast is a symbol for all that is true and good. Light uh, enables us to see. It shows us the way and so brings knowledge and holiness. Light in John, in his gospel, includes all of these ideas, but the particular light that Jesus brings and is, what, what he brings light to, what he sheds light on, what he comes to do as the light is to show us the Father and to show us the way to the Father. He comes to remove the darkness, that we would know God and know the way to God. And he can do that because he is God and is the way to God. If we could look into the face of Jesus, we would see the Father and realize that Jesus is the way to the Father. That's the conversation Jesus will have with his disciples toward the end of the book of John. You may remember John 14, verses 4 through 9, Jesus says to his disciples, uh, to his inner circle or a circle of 12, uh, you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to Jesus, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? 
Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. And what John is saying here in John 1 is that this is what the Word has always done. Wherever God has been made known, wherever the way to God has been made known, the Word has been at work to light the way. The Word has always been the light of men. Now look at verse 5. Verse 5 says, That light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Now, I, I take this statement to be about the power of the light. Uh, there, there's another way to, to take it, it uh, another way it's sometimes translated as the darkness has not understood it, which, of course, is also true, and we'll see that later on in verse 10. But for now, I think John is still, he's giving us the big picture. He's giving us the background. He's still echoing Genesis 1, 2 through 3. The, the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. Light always conquers darkness. Darkness cannot overcome the light because darkness is not a thing, but the absence of light. The, the moment the light comes, it penetrates into the darkness. To use this image of the word then means this word that shines. Uh, notice already that the, the tapestry of metaphors John is weaving together. The, the, this word shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. You might look at different periods of history and think, well, wasn't the darkness winning then, or, or is the darkness winning now? John assures us, and it will become finally and fully evident by the end of the book, that the darkness has not overcome the light and will not overcome the light because it cannot overcome the light. So this is the power of light, right? Light penetrates into the darkness and uh, the darkness gives way. The second, the true light. What does it mean for something to be true? True versus what? Our natural inclination is to say true versus false. And of course, sometimes that is true versus false. Uh, sometimes the opposite of what is true is what is false. But John often uses this word in a slightly different way. It's not, it's not quite true versus false all the time, and it's not quite the real versus the imaginary, though that is closer. It's really the, the really real versus the real. Uh, let me show you that in verses 6 through 9. In verse 6, John brings us into history. He's been talking in generalities. In him was life. The life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. But now he gets concrete. He, he, he comes into history in verses 6 through 9. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. John the Baptist comes as a witness to the light, though he himself is not the light. John's role in the gospel is that he is the, John the Baptist's role in the gospel is that he's kind of the, the prototype of those who bear witness. He, he bears witness to the light, but he himself is not the light. And yet it's interesting, Jesus will say later about John's testimony in John chapter 5, uh, verses 33 to 35, Jesus says, you sent to John and he has borne witness to the truth. Not that the testimony that I receive is from man, but I say these things so that you may be saved. He was a burning and shining lamp, and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. Jesus calls John 
a light, a burning and shining lamp and that gives off light. What does it mean then that Jesus is the true light? Again, it's not true versus false. John was a lamp who gave out real light, who bore witness to what uh, was true about Jesus. There is also, of course, other, there are other lights in the world, aren't there? There's, there's the light of creation, the, the light of the sun and the moon and the stars. There are light bulbs and there are lightning bugs, and they all have and give and reflect light in some way. So what does it mean that Jesus is the true light, which gives light to everyone who was coming into the world? Well, think for just a second about the way John uses the word true. We're going to see it throughout his gospel. Uh, he talks about the true light here in chapter 1, verse 9. He'll talk about true worshipers in chapter 4, and true bread in chapter 6, and true food and drink also in chapter 6, and he'll talk about a true vine in chapter 15. In none of those cases is Jesus making a contrast of true versus false, by itself at least. The true worshipers are, are versus those who worshiped in the temple in the Old Testament. The true bread was uh, in contrast to the manna in the wilderness. And the true vine is in contrast to Israel, God's vineyard. And while Old Covenant worship was real, and the manna in the wilderness was real food, and Israel was really God's people. John's point is that something more real, something more enduring, something more true had come. Not just the light from a street lamp that helps a few passers-by, not just the light of John the Baptist that shined for a time. No, Jesus is the true light. He doesn't give light to some for a time. He gives light to everyone. He is not modeled off some original. He is the prototype of light, and he was coming into the world. The power of light is that it penetrates the darkness and that Jesus is the true light means that he is the original, he is the real, he is the, the really real, the enduring, the light that will last that is now coming into the world. And yet some don't see that light. So let's talk about third, being blind to the light. Light, again, by its nature is seen. If, if Jesus came to give light to everyone, to make God known and the way to God known, why don't all people know God? Why do we sometimes struggle to, to know how to relate to God? Did Jesus somehow fail in his role as the light? Well, look at verses 10 and 11. Verse 10 begins like this. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. One of the key themes of John's gospel is Jesus' rejection by the Jewish people. They were his own people, but as a whole, they did not receive him as Messiah. Now, John doesn't do much more here in this passage, but state the tragedy. He came into the world that he made, and the world that he made did not know him. He came to his own people, his flesh and blood, his family, and his own people rejected him. Later, John will talk about those who loved darkness because their works were evil, and those who are blind in their eyes and hard in their hearts. How could they miss the light? Because by nature, we are spiritually blind. Later, Jesus will say, flesh gives birth to flesh, Physical birth gives birth to physical eyes to see physical things, but to receive spiritual eyes to see spiritual things 
something more is needed. The true light, which gives light to everyone, had come into the world, but the world did not know him. How? Why? What was wrong? Was there something wrong with the light? Not at all. The sun shines no less on a blind man, despite the fact that he cannot see it. And put differently, just because you close your eyes doesn't mean the room went dark. Jesus can shine his light on all men, but that doesn't mean all men will see it. In fact, his very own people, his very own family did not. But what about those who did? Finally, becoming children of light. Uh, this, this phrase, children of light, we've already heard it earlier in our, uh, in our service. It comes from Ephesians chapter 5, verses 8 through 9. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. And in these last two verses in our text, uh, John gives us the pattern for what it looks like to become a Christian, to become a child of God, or as Paul would put it, to become a child of light. And then to continue on in the Christian life. And that pattern consists of four things. Uh, behold, believe, belong, and become. Behold is obviously implied here. Why? Because Jesus came as light. Some saw him and rejected him. They didn't quite see the light. They, they saw Jesus, but they missed Jesus at the same time. Others saw him, beheld him, and something else happened. Right? No, no one can receive Jesus or believe in his name unless they first behold. It's my life's desire, and I hope it is yours as well, to see Jesus. Yes, on the last day, at the resurrection, face to face, but, but even now in the scriptures and in his spirit's work in the world. We must see Jesus. We must behold the light. Have you beheld the light? Have you caught a glimpse of the glimmer of the glory of Jesus? Do you know that he is the, the preexistent one, the, the word, the life, the light? This is who we're talking about when Christians talk about Jesus, the word made flesh, the life made manifest, the light that has come into the world. We must behold that light. And we must believe in him. Verse 12 says, to all who did receive him, who believed in his name. To receive him here means to receive him as the Messiah, to receive him as the word, the, the son of the father, to accept him for who he is, which is to believe in his name. Notice that, that language of name, to, to call on the name of the Lord is the, the oldest language in scripture to refer to crying out to God or pursuing God or worshiping God or serving God is to call on the name of the Lord. Paul in Romans 10, verse 13, quoting the prophet Joel, says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Paul goes on to say, though, in Philippians 2, 9, that God has highly exalted Jesus and bestowed on him the name that is above every name because Jesus Christ is Lord. Peter says of Jesus' name in Acts 4, 12, there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. To believe in Jesus' name is to believe in everything that his name means and stands for. To believe in his name is to believe in him, to trust in Jesus, his death for sin, his resurrection for sinners, the life he offers as the one who has life in himself, the, the light he gives as he reveals the Father and the way to the Father in himself. Behold and believe. Third, belong. To all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. 
Where do we receive that right? From Jesus as we believe in him. Uh, what does that imply? It implies that we don't have that right naturally. We are not by nature children of God in the way John talks about here. In fact, Paul in Ephesians would say we are by nature children of wrath, not children of God. And so who do we think we are that we should have the right, the privilege to be God's children? We are nobody. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. When we believe in Jesus, God calls us his children, he adopts us into his family, and we get the privilege of being God's children. See, Jesus is the way to the Father. We come to the Father through him. Through faith in Jesus, we become the Father's own children. Do you want to know God? Do you want to know intimacy with God? Look to Jesus. Behold, believe, and you will belong as his child. You belong not because you've got it all right, not because you are sinless, not even because you've put away certain sins or the big sins or the worst sins or whatever. If you belong, it's not because of anything you do. Jesus gives you that right when you believe in him. You say, ah, but it's because of something I do. I believe. Well, faith, as many have put it, is little more than a beggar holding out his hand for bread. There is no merit or boast in begging. Faith looks not to faith's power. Faith looks to Jesus, the true light who has come into the world. Hold, believe, belong, and become. John says, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Now, when God draws us to himself, we not only become his children in name, we become his children in spirit. We are born again, as both John and Jesus will put it. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but uh, physical birth to physical life, but spirit gives birth to spirit, spiritual birth to spiritual life. When we believe in Jesus, we are transformed, born again, made anew. We become children of God. This is a, a new reality that Jesus is bringing by his spirit, and John will unfold it throughout the gospel as we move. For now, the point is that the new birth comes to those who believe in Jesus' name. If you want to become a child of God, believe in Jesus. Now, some at this point, again, will say, okay, fine, look at me. I have believed. One answer to that question is, is what I just mentioned. Faith is no different from a beggar holding out his hands for bread. But John gives another answer to that question in verse 13. He adds, who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. How does this new birth take place? Who is the, the prime mover or even the only mover in this process? It's not me and it's not you. I have no right to become God's child, not by physical descent, right? That's blood. Uh, and so it's not because, in, in his context, it's not because you were born an Israelite that you have a right to become God's child. That's probably what John means. And nor because you can say, well, my parents were Christians or my dad was a pastor or I grew up in a Christian home. I'm not, I don't become God's child because of who my parents were nor because of my will, the will of the flesh. No, no human will is determinative here, nor because of a, a husband's will, as, as will of man is sometimes translated in this verse, right? No human being sires God's children. If we become God's children, we are born of God. That whole process of believing and belonging and becoming, that is God's work 
bringing about the new birth in us. God produces his own children, and he does that through Jesus, who comes as the light to reveal God to us and to relate us to God, to show us God and to show us the way to God, because Jesus is God and is the way. Now, maybe you're still not sure about Jesus. Maybe you're not quite sure if he really is all that John claims him to be. And I would encourage you, if that's true, to keep studying. Keep studying your Bible. Keep reading the Gospels. Invite other people to read with you. Specifically, invite someone uh, mature in the faith to speak into that journey as you read. Keep coming here as we study this book week after week. Investigate this Jesus. Open your eyes to see the light. Behold and believe, and you will become God's child. To, to mix the metaphor from seeing to hearing, Jesus is the one whom we proclaim, and it is in hearing Jesus proclaimed that God's light is shown in our hearts. That's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, 5 through 6. He says, for what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Now, now maybe uh, you have seen and believed, but you still struggle to know the Father's love. You still struggle to see the full light of the gospel in the face of Jesus. I mean, does he really accept me as his child? I mean, look at my sins, look at my failures, look at my weaknesses and temptations. Me, God's child? The answer to that is stop looking at yourself and start looking towards the light. His light can penetrate your darkness. Let him show you the way, remind you that that way is not in you, but is found in the face of Jesus. Let's pray. Our Father, we pray that you would show us Jesus in all his glory, that we would see the light. We recognize that we can't do that in our own power or our own strength, but we need your Holy Spirit to open our eyes and open our minds and give us eyes to see and ears to hear, minds to believe and hearts to receive all who Jesus is. And we pray that you would pour out your Spirit on us to those ends right now. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.